Recording in progress. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Pillars of Franchising. We're glad you joined us today. I'd like to start with a brief remembrance of Neighborly's CEO, Mike Bidwell. Um, Mike passed on September 7th, uh, which was an amazing shock, not only to the Neighborly community, but to all of those that knew him. And I just wanted to share a quick note um, regarding the family's wishes, and that is that people practice a generous life of giving and service to honor him. Mike was involved in a lot of different charities, and I thought that that is a great message to send, not only to all the franchisees of Neighborly, like myself and Ray Pillar, um, but really just to anybody listening. I think that that's a great message. Mike certainly lived that, and uh, we wish his family well and hope that um, this very difficult time, uh, they're getting exactly what they need, the love and support. So uh, rest in peace, Mike Bidwell, uh, April 12, 1958 to September 7, 2023. And without further ado, today's show, we have a very special guest from IFTG, Mr. Red Boswell, who's famously known all over Instagram and every other social media platform for the Red Band. And now my phone going off. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Red? Great to see you again, Kristen. Couldn't be better, thanks. And hopefully I'm known for a little bit in franchising as well, besides wearing red bands. Yes. Well, you know, everybody, everybody knows you in franchising, but perhaps our guests do not. So tell us all about yourself and what's been going on lately. We haven't seen you in over a year. It has been too long. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you again. Just been crazy covered up. IFPG is exploding. We're growing in so many ways. Outward, upward, acquiring, uh, adding new services. It's been a terrific last year, year and a half, heck, last five years for that matter, in building an empire, helping people change lives in franchising. Okay, and IFPG is a company that we are International Franchise Professionals Group. So in a nutshell, we connect franchise professionals, anyone in franchising, with franchisors, suppliers or vendors, as well as franchise consultants, which we're best known for, we connect them. So um, we're best known as the world's largest franchise broker group or consulting group. And so we're doing about 150 deals a month, helping people find the right franchise, like a, a Keller Williams or Remax does in residential real estate. We do that in franchising by connecting buyers with the appropriate franchises that they ultimately fall in love with. That's amazing. How many brokers do you have in your network today? You know, it's about 660 awesome. independent agents. You might call them that as well. Matchmaker, yep. advisor, coach. Awesome. Awesome. And how many um, brands do you represent for those, those folks? It's growing all the time, but yeah. we're at about 
630 something as well I, as another probably 120 additional vendors or suppliers to the industry these are funding sources attorneys marketing companies real estate insurance everything a small business owner or a franchisor might need we have those as well and so our consultants not only make a, a strong income from making referrals or matching people with the right opportunity, but they also match them with the right lender, the right attorney, the right, in, in many cases, the franchisor allows that local franchisee to find marketing avenues as well, and they can match them there, perhaps real estate insurance. So we're a matchmaking service for everything a potential buyer might need for a franchise. That's awesome. I always like to say that it's like match.com, right? <laughs> <laughs> but with a, a personal consultant rather than just some random cold website that doesn't know you and doesn't know the right. franchisor. We know both at a pretty deep level so we can make that appropriate match. Yeah, absolutely. I, listen, so I also heard the word on the street is that um, ISPG has also acquired another company that you are also the president of. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. We've got uh, a number of entities. Uh, so we provide leads for many of our consultants who want leads. We have career transition leads. We have a company called Multi-Unit Franchise Experts. We've got uh, IFPG Digital. But the one that I became uh, president of a few months back is Franchise Wire. It's FranchiseWire.com, the leading news source in franchising. And so we've got four editors, writers that are constantly writing news about franchising. Lots of subscribers. It's easy to, you know, just go to FranchiseWire.com and find out more there. But we also are providing, again, back to that connect, connecting franchise professionals. We do also have a, oh, you might call it advertorial or sponsored content option for franchisors okay. who need some extra SEO power. Maybe they want a good third-party news source validating their model. Uh, we provide custom articles, and we publish those articles under the sponsored content area as well. That's awesome. So let me ask you, with all of these different brands, all of these different brokers, how do you ensure that the franchises that you're offering are of good quality? Well, interesting word, insure. There's no, you know, we're all human. There's no guarantees, but we do a pretty good job on the vetting side. So first step is we educate those franchisors who are interested in coming on board with us. We make sure they understand how this process works their responsibility, not only to the candidate, but their responsibility to the consultant to work hand in hand through this process. When the franchisor says, yes, I want to work with you guys, you're the number one source of awarded franchises in franchising outside of organic, so they get the volume power that we bring, we uh, get a copy of their FDD and we go through it, vetting their financials, make sure that's reasonably strong. We right. look at their attrition. Make sure they're not losing Z's. You know, newbies, it's, there's no attrition because there's no Z's, franchisees. But most importantly, we look at that litigation section. Where are they with litigation? If there's anything outstanding that can't be very clearly defined to my comfort level, because I personally do that, then they're just not allowed in. Now, that's the intro to come in bo on board. Of course, they sign an agreement regarding commissions and obligations and and uh, they give us information. But once they're on board, we got 660 consultants dealing with tons of buyers, and those consultants keep us alert. They've got their ear to the tracks, ear to the ground, eyes around the, uh, the, the scenery of franchising to understand it. Any franchisor not carrying their weight, messing up, 
maybe there's a lawsuit that gets announced, the, the, the consultant hears about it before us. Also, there's reviews on every franchisor so that consultant can share with the rest of our, our family how the process went for them. So lots of ways we stay on top of making sure these franchisors, as best we can, making sure they are delivering a, a quality product and not just selling franchises and not getting them open, for instance. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, you said an interesting word there. You used the word family, and ISTG certainly does seem like a big family. Can you tell me what you do? Because obviously, as, as a president, your job is to make sure you're creating an environment that people enjoy being in and other people want to join, right? Tell me what you do to continue to drive that type of a culture. Well, thanks. That's a that's an interesting question because this year we're, we're a couple months away from our big annual conference. We call it retreat, and we have a theme each year. Last year was growing together. The year before was life changer. So we really focused on that uh, caring culture. Well, this year, and you didn't we didn't prep you with this question, but this nope. year it's called hashtag We Are Family, and we got the nice. You know, Sister Sledge, we are family. So I'll be, I'll be cranking up uh, across the stage, maybe moonwalking to that tune. But yeah. um, the larger we get, the you know, it's a bigger and bigger challenge sure. to keep that culture the way we hope ideally it would be. And it's especially a challenge or an interesting uh, opportunity, shall we say, when uh, over half of our full-time consultants, and over 200 of our total consultants, so a very large number of our consultants, came to us from our friendly competitors. We are we built our model very, very laser-focused on the consultant. My internal mantra is, if we have the best consultants, we win. And so we built the best technology. We have the best ongoing support and training, the best events, uh, the best financial model for the consultant. And on and on and on. I, you know, I'm a proud poppet here bragging and saying best, best, best. But <laughs> it's proof since no one leaves us and goes to another group, but literally hundreds have come and converted over to us without us ever trying to recruit anyone a single time because of the model that we bring to the table with the inventory and technology and keep all your commissions, et cetera. So um, that to your question, how do you keep that? family atmosphere, how to keep that caring, open, transparent, giving environment. It is hard, baby, because sure. we, get, we get some bad apples sometimes. And we have to, fortunately, we're not a franchise where, oh, we got to go through all these legal proceedings to, for someone to exit or for us to exit them. We're a very open, easy culture. It's a membership organization. You want to leave? Okay. Love you. High five. Let's go uh, change lives elsewhere, you know, and sure. vice versa. So uh, it's, if someone's lying, cheating, or stealing, if they're not playing fair, if they're not being good people, working with integrity, we we give them a hug and say, uh, find your home elsewhere. So yeah. uh, that's one way we keep that family atmosphere as best we can. And by the way, Kristen, I just posted a video today about me. I, I'm, it's 110 degrees a few weeks ago in Dallas. I'm a full suit and tie, and I go do this giant, <laughs> ridiculous zip line. And the theme was promoting retreat. We are family. and Families tend to be dysfunctional, and so I'm the king of dysfunction. I put the fun in dysfunction, if you know what I mean. And so right, right. I'm, I got uh, the suit in the 110-degree heat, and I'm going on a zip line going, can't wait to see you there. And so, yes, we're not, we, we're not so, uh, you know, head in the clouds to think that we're all one big family. 
We yeah. get it. It's right. we tr- we do our best to be family, support, care, give, uh, and, and many times even sacrifice for one another. Well, and I think it's interesting because in the environment then that you share, I would think that there's a lot of um, networking even amongst brokers to kind of help each other out. Indeed, indeed. You know, we um, purposely created that environment where we encourage them to get together in small groups. It's, um, I've heard people go, wow, Red, you're so big. I'm a little intimidated. I'm, so, I'm a little concerned. And I, the, the analogy, because they wonder if they're going to get lost in the shuffle. Do I matter, right? And yeah. so I, I liken it unto I go to a big church. I went to a good-sized university. You, you show up and you're like, oh, my gosh, where do I start? What happens? But very quickly, you integrate into a Sunday school class. You get in a fraternity. You get a sorority. You join a club. You go to your um, Bible fellowship group or your, you know, you get these small groups. And all right. of a sudden, you get the best of both worlds. You get the power, the strength in numbers, the strength of our, of our buying power and the technology that we bring to the table that only a huge organization could afford. And the 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 900 person event in Hollywood, Florida, on the you know the diplomat bringing in rock star speakers and world class consultant guides throughout the process. Small small groups can't do that, and yes. yet we also have those small groups within the larger groups. So best of both worlds from the big organization down to the tiny groups within it. That's awesome. So if you were if, if somebody were interested in in being a broker, what kind of training do you give them that really sets them heads above some of the other folks out there who just to say, I just decide they're going to start selling franchises. I mean, you've got to do a lot of work with them to make sure that they're exercising all of those things that protect the values that you're trying to create. We do. Absolutely right. And I'll, um, a lot of people say that word sell franchises. You know, we as consultants, we are are blessed to not be salespeople. We're not selling ourselves. We want to be a trusted advisor with our candidates, and that takes a little bit of personal sales of oneself, but we're educating them about franchising. We're asking them a lot of questions that are in sometimes personal regarding finances and credit scores and geographic preferences and time allotments and management style and all these others. And then we are matching them and helping narrow down their search. We're introducing them to the franchisors, letting those franchisors do the selling, take them through the process introducing them to lenders and attorneys, et cetera, but we're never a closer. We're not having to do any paperwork. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're not closers or sellers. Um, now, you asked me a great question that I totally jumped, skipped over. Oh, it was some of the training, training. You, training. so that they are really delivering the best. Yeah. So um, first of all, when people are coming through our discovery process to determine if we're a right fit for them, We'll turn some away. If it's obviously not a right fit, I got no problem being transparent and having tough love conversations that you probably shouldn't be a consultant. You talk too much. You don't listen. You're brash. You never smile. You got a bad voice. Whatever. I help them to save them from some mistakes. Then we come on board. Now, we're going to err on the side of believing in the individual. Don't get me wrong. But if it's an obvious not fit, we're going to tell them. Then we're going to train them personally one-on-one with our lead trainer. He's been with us for 10 years. He's trained every new consultant that's come on board. We're going to give them a bunch of on-demand videos to watch before they graduate. And then we've got a bunch of virtual classrooms they do with other new consultants and our lead trainers. So they go through a bunch of virtual training, no travel. And then lastly, they're going to graduate. They're going to take that final exam. They're going to pass. And now they're ready to talk to consultants, or sorry, candidates, but 
This is the biggest thing I want, always want new consultants to understand. Training has just begun. And we give you free training for life. 200 free trainings a year for wow. consultants. Ongoing, never-ending, every aspect imaginable. And so much of that training, the value, comes when you're in it. You know, you got trained on this and that and the other thing and everything you need beforehand, but some of it just didn't resonate because you don't get it. You're not in it. Right. Now you're right. in it. You're hearing a lot of the same stuff again, and it is powerful. So we're constantly investing into training our consultants to be the best of the best because remember my internal mantra, we have the best consultants, we win, and we're going to keep right. those consultants the best or make them the best if they're not already there. So how do you, you know, I've been watching, there are a lot of emerging brands. How do you keep up with all of these franchises that are coming online? Yeah, um, I get asked that similar question a lot from the, from candidates. You know, I, they're intimidated. They're worried like 630 brands read. I'm like, hold up. You can never, nobody on earth can be an expert on 630 brands. But guess what? You don't need to be. In fact, you can't, you should not be. Don't even try. Yeah. I mean, think about if you're a realtor. Are you an expert on every house in your county? Give me a break. So <laughs> yeah. what you are an expert in, educating people on franchising, building rapport, asking them the appropriate questions, guiding them through the process, matching them with the right opportunities, introducing them. Notice I didn't say you're an expert on any brand. You're an expert on matching them. You got to be, uh, you know, our system helps you match it. Think about this. You're a realtor. I know they want four bedroom, three bath, three car garage, a pool, a good neighborhood for kids. So you've got some facts. I call that the yep. science of the process. Facts gotten from the candidate, enter the facts into the system. The system's going to spit out the science. The facts come back. Okay, we've now narrowed it from 630 brands down to 85. Well, guess what? That's still a bunch. I mean, right? 85. Yeah, yeah. So you as a consultant now, the art of the process. Science is done. The art kicks in. And you know your candidate pretty well. All right. right, and I know, I, I, no, that's not, they don't, they don't want mosquito-killing franchise. No, no, get those. Yeah. It's, it's a match on paper, but it's not a match in reality. And so right. you're, you're kicking out about half of them real fast. Yes, no, yep. yes, no, yes, no. Now you're opening them up, looking at the profile, checking out, are these guys engaged? Looking at territory check response time, looking at, they're um, doing a territory check to see if the geographic preferences are even available. Yeah, then, good point. Diving deeper on, are they on the SBA registry? Do they, how's that item 19 look if, if perhaps if they're sharing it? Let me watch a video and get down deeper. And so you're nearing down, 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 down. Then maybe you narrowed it down to six, eight, 10, maybe 12 brands. So right. way down, you're down to the final one or 2%. And you start discussing them with your candidate. Hey, here's nine that are pretty dang good matches. Got a couple curveballs in here. Here's why. Right. And with your candidate, usually a couple, uh, you're talking about it, the pros and cons, why you showed it, why you think they should consider it, and ultimately down to the final three. Right. Might be two, might be four, but usually three brands, final three, and you actually take that candidate, it's all the information. Some of a little confidential, get their permission. Mr. Franchisor, Mrs. Franchisor, meet my friend, John and Sally Smith. Here's their information, geographic, blah, 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 blah. Go get them, Tiger. And that franchisor is now driving the car. You've been driving it. Yeah. Now you've stopped it. You're in the back seat. You're the wingman. Right. You're no longer leading this charge, driving this car. The franchisors, three in this case, are each taking your candidate through their discovery process. And you're helping, checking in, 
reminding them of their why, reminding them why they want to do it. You got a 65-year-old hard-charging CEO that thinks they know everything. They get to the one <laughs> yard line, and that one yard line, I'm, I'm going to go get a job. John, you've been looking for a job for nine months. You were making 400. You can't get anything that'll pay you 140. Give me a break. That's a tough yeah. love conversation that you got to have. So not everybody can do that, but the good ones will do it, and it, they're doing it with the best interest of their candidate at heart because it's scary. It's a marriage yeah. kind of thing. Sure. I mean, it's your entire future that you're planning, right? Some people use their 401K. Some people leverage their homes. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that people get funding for these things. Mm. So, well, of all the categories out there, what is your favorite category? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What, what What does it matter, my favorite? Well, I'm just thinking if you had to take something to the bank in the next three to five years that you were going to invest in. Like, I love services. I make no bones about it. I've been in service my entire life. Yes. And while I love the models of quick serve restaurants, I'm terrified because it's, it's not something I know, right? So yes. I kind of have those just in my head all the time um, for me. So if I were going to invest, that's what I would do. But to no. your point, that you, you can't use that with if you are brokering a deal. You can't, and yet it's human nature to do so. Right. Um, and I love your question because your question is very typical of a candidate working with a consultant. Yeah. What would you buy? What's your favorite? Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it doesn't matter what I would buy or my favorite. This is about you. Yeah. And so uh, I – I might love restaurants. Guess what? You're not a restaurant person. That's it doesn't right. matter what I want. And so, yeah, I'm, I love subscription services, you know, recurring revenue, predictable yeah. cash flow, uh, good, better margins at, at scale. I love all that, too. But, again, it's not, a, it's not about me. It's about the candidate's best interest and the opportunities before them. Yeah. Well, you do a great job representing all of your franchisors when you're out there. And, and just to go back to you talking about um, the music that you'll be playing, I happened to see that you did get recorded doing a dance in one of the previous years at, at your retreat um, as you kind of danced across the stage. So I'm going to have to pull that up and send it to you. Okay. Because uh, I remember saving it thinking, one well, of these days I'm going to send this to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tell you what, last year, uh, we always have fun with the intro of, of retreat. Last year, I wrote a one wheel a uh, electric skateboard through the crowd all the way up. One to the, wheel? Uh, yeah, the big fat one wheel. In fact, it's in my room right in my office over here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's about 60 pounds, but it's a big one wheel electric skateboard. And then the year before, I rode a bicycle through the crowd up to the stage. So we try to have some fun with it. I was trying to figure out how I might do a zip line this year across the stage, but who knows? You, you know, I- I mentioned this to you beforehand because I do follow you on social media and, and some it's wildly entertaining because I see you're out doing all this crazy stuff with your kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish my body could handle doing all that stuff, right? With my kids. I would be in bed for a week. But about your kids, let's talk about your kids and franchising because it sounds like they're all kind of following in your footsteps. You know, when you love what you do, and you do it a whole lot more than 40 hours a week, because I'm kind of a workaholic, obsessive guy. In fact, I believe in work-life integration, not work-life balance. So integrate work and life together and do them all throughout your life. You know, there's just no separation for me. I am my work. I am my family. I am my faith. And so with the kids, now I've got a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old, and a 17-year-old, and I've been in franchising all of their lives. 
And so you kind of wonder, are they going to resent it? Because so many kids do resent your love. You love this, and they resent that. It's taken away from you. But I'm, I'm, my prayers have been answered because so far, anyway, all three kids have really embraced franchising. I've, uh, I've, you know, we'll be on vacations, and I'm having calls with candidates or talking to franchisors in the middle of, you know, the, the narrows of Zion Canyon National Park when I could get some cell coverage. And so it's, uh, yeah, I've got one, my 20-year-old is the youngest certified franchise consultant in history while he's in college uh, in in Arkansas. And then my next one has been uh, helping a franchisor doing sales for franchising for two years. He's 19, Texas A&M Engineering School. And then I've got a 19-year-old girl, Brady. She has been doing social media for for a franchisor for about a year now. So love me. Yeah. Wow. And you know what I like is that all three of them are pursuing different majors, but it's all integrated into franchising. When we come back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more about how the world of franchising really is open to so many different backgrounds and kind of where you see franchising going in the next five to 10 years. Bring it. Love it. All right. We'll be back right after this. Hey, franchise owners. How's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine.com. And welcome back. Red Boswell with me today, president of IFPG and Franchise Wire. We were just talking about how great it is that not only Fred's children have all decided in different ways and different backgrounds that they're learning to come into franchising. And I want to talk a little bit about that, Red. Um, this Fred and Red thing gets me every time, right? I was calling him Red, you Fred, oh my gosh, it's like a Dr. Seuss book. I need a, a fun hat since uh, Ray's not on here. Maybe I get my baller hat on. That's a good hat. That's a really <laughs> good one. Yeah. What do you think? In terms of franchising, I mean, is there, like you said, your one son is studying engineering. Tell me how he's going to integrate. What is it that he's interested in in the franchising scene? It seems like more and more and more folks as we, they're entrepreneurial. They right. want and let me explain what that means. Freedom. They want flexibility. They want uh, to be able to own their life, you know, yes. and they're not trusting that employer anymore. Less and mm-hmm. less, right? And so um, there's more and more intrapreneurship within organizations. And he's an engineering mind, very nerdy guy in that aspect. But he also understands that He's got a friend whose dad is an engineer that makes like $5 million a year. He wants to be an engineer who owns it, 
And so he's even brought up, Dad, you know, it's too early now, but as I get into this world, I know I don't want to just be an employee. I want to own something. Maybe there's some way we could franchise an engineering firm. So yeah. I'm, like, I'm trying not to hug him and kiss him, you know, because <laughs> he's six foot five and a little bit bigger than me now, but uh, yeah. he, he's still my baby. So that's an exciting one. And then my uh, oldest is uh, more of a, uh, more like me, marketing and finance major, entrepreneurship minor. He, um, he wants to own a bunch of franchises. So when he graduates, he's going to still be a consultant, but also acquiring franchises, uh, you know, semi-absentee. And then uh-huh. the daughter, she's 17. Who knows where she's going? But she's already said she wants to be a, a marketing major at University of Arkansas. So we'll just see what happens there. But she's loving that she gets to do social media for a franchisor already. Well, you know that crazy noise that you're going to have to make if she goes to the University of Arkansas, right? I'm not doing it. <laughs> so my brother went there, and one of the shows that we actually did, I had to wear the hog hat, which I have in my closet, and do the whole wee hog suey thing. And Well, I say I'm not. We'll <laughs> see. I'll probably dive right in just like the rest of them. But uh, I'm already, you know, I already got the gig on uh, Texas A&M going down. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then the Tigers, and I'm an Axel Jack, Stephen F. Austin. So we all got our weirdnesses. And by the way, you're talking future. The world is becoming more and more uh, of a freedom-seeking, flexibility, yeah. work from anywhere. COVID taught us that, right? COVID yeah. said, i got to work from home. I don't know if I can. And then suddenly everybody says, I can and I like it. Yeah, and, so, and I'm not going back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I want some flexibility or some balance of both. And, and so they start looking elsewhere, and they have the freedom to look elsewhere because no one's looking over their shoulder or cubicle now. And although there's always going to be negatives like, okay, interest rates are higher. But guess what? SBA is more aggressive. Or 401Ks are looking awful pretty now. Let's cash it in and invest it in myself. Or 401K ain't doing too bad. Maybe I should cash it in and invest it in myself, tax-free and penalty-free. So there's, I get asked all the time, Red, how's the environment? How's uh, franchise uh, sales and market? Well, you know what? It's always good. And I don't mean to be this overly optimistic, clueless guy, but when the economy's bad, franchising thrives because people get laid off. Or when interest rates are bad, other things are good. Or when interest rates are good, people are getting better loans. And, and it's just there's always this balance in the market. And whether this is up and this is up or down or down or up or down, franchising thriving. I, I just love yeah. it because of that. We always have the answer to what folks are looking for. Absolutely. So we have a question. Fred, I hear you have to come in with a question now. No, it's a comment. I don't have a hog sound. All I got. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. Red, <laughs> red, red hit the hat and a cow. Sorry, that's all I got. I didn't know. It's if not you... even... All I got yeah, is a cow. Somewhere we could find that another time for the next, next show time. when right. your daughter's actually there we'll worry about that yeah, yeah, so she makes it. we'll also make everyone <laughs> what is wear a hat biggest... i said we'll also make okay, everyone wear a hat i'm going okay so what were some of the biggest issues that your kids had in learning the industry was there anything that they found to be particularly difficult or maybe not what they expected it to be um, you know, so far, so good. It's been a nice, slow learning process because 
They've grown up literally from birth listening to me. I, I get on the phone constantly. I'm on the phone in the evenings and mornings. I'm, you know, I'm doing Zooms while we're driving down the road to the beach. And so they hear me. They hear all those questions, the candidates. They hear the trepidation that's only natural amongst someone looking at a new career. And yeah. they hear how I address it. And they've heard these hundreds, if not thousands of times. And oftentimes, because we've got this captive audience in the car, perhaps, as we drive, especially, they, we have time to talk about it. You know, what, hey, guys, did you hear that? What do you think? Did you hear their fear? Did you hear how I discussed it? Do you feel that I was correct? Do you understand their fears? And so, man, what a blessing to be able to have those kind of life conversations with kids about those are life decisions. And these are people that, you know, when my kid's 14 or 12 or 10 or, or six, yeah. and they're hearing these 50 and 60 and 40-year-olds that they figure are ancient, I hope we're not, and, and, and their fears. And they realize, wow, that's still natural even at those ages. Yeah. And the mistakes they make are natural at those ages. And so it prepares them in neat ways for big decisions in life. And helps them, I think, become more emotionally mature in some of these decisions and in the relationships. Sir, I think that's actually a really great point um, because they tend to mimic so much of what they see and hear, right? And so I, I think that's a really positive way to show them that the fear and the um, being uncertain is okay. Yes. Oh, and you know, Kristen, in, in helping them grow up, I, I, lo- I do a bunch of travel. And go to a lot of franchise events, conventions, conferences, expos. And I'll take each of my children, I have three, with me on average at least once a year to a various conference. Been doing that since maybe they were 12. And they get to see some interesting things. Like I'm at the, uh, you know, I'm at one a couple of years ago with my son who was 17. And there's some I mean, inebriated people. You can always see that at events. And um, we got to discuss that. I'm like, did you see, you know, what do you think about that, Max? How does that mean? Did you see, because he was getting into, I mean, 17. He's, yeah. you know, the the the, the uh, temptations and the drinks, the alcohol. Oh, real. yeah. And good. it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I wasn't there. So I can't. <laughs> it was not you. I can't, I cannot, you know, tell you if it was Fred or not. But anyway, you know, it's neat to see those conversations. And then they'll be at booths and see how rejection you know somebody is uh is walking by and you ask them uh you know how's your day going you find out what you're looking for and they're rude and ignore you and keep going that might hurt somebody's heart you know really get offended and i just i just talk to them about it and they see how i it's going to water off the duck's back and man it's just priceless learnings in real life scenarios yeah i think that's awesome so how do you think in the next five to ten years, you know, we talked a little bit about the younger the younger generation coming in. How do you see that changing franchising? Well, let's look at the younger generation and let's look at the older generation because we're getting older and older and we ain't dying. I mean, yeah. you know, let's be real. The, 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 the age of uh, retirement is still the same, and yet we're living decades beyond retirement. I mean, the centurions, the people over 100, there's like tens of thousands. Yeah. And it's not slowing down. And so um, those guys are getting age discrimination everywhere. I've been seeing this since I was uh, about 40, and I would be talking to people. I'm 52 today. I was blown away by people who would be 50, 
before age discrimination is rampant. And yeah. so now, and you know, they would have a 53-year-old who has had a great income, leaves the job, laid off, whatever, cannot find another job that will pay him half or her half what they yeah. were making. And so now that's only getting worse and worse and worse and worse in that 63, 73, 83, 93. I got, I got 83-year-old consultants who are loving life, playing golf, living the dream, and getting to be a consultant. And nobody's going to hire that 83-year-old. But yeah. they're doing great in their own business. So we're seeing a ton of opportunity in the older years, maybe the semi-retiree who will never retire. Right. As well as the younger uh, generation that um, just wants more freedom, more flexibility. Mm-hmm. We see the younger generation doing buying more of the lower-cost franchise opportunities. It's a little more challenging for that younger 20-something to be a trusted advisor to a 60-something, right? Uh, they can do it. Yeah. It's harder. But right. the 70-something can all day long be a trusted advisor to anyone they want because they've got the gray hair. They've got the bald exactly. you know, head. They've got the uh, wrinkles that give some credibility to their experience. Yeah. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on um, – and, and I'll, I'll talk to, to uh, Homer on franchises because I really like Scott a lot – and uh, he has put together packages of uh, called lower investment franchise systems for younger people right out of college. What are your thoughts on opportunities like that for some of the younger kids who come in and they know they don't want to work for anybody else? Fantastic! Absolutely love it. We work with, uh, I mean, we work with the hundreds of those type of lower investment franchise opportunities. I'm not a fan of one piece of it. No, to each his own. I'm not a fan of the super low franchise fee. I just believe so much that there is, I know, I don't believe, I know there is so much a franchisor has to pay for out of that franchise fee. And so fortunately, Scott's deep pockets, love him, good good friend, good brother. He's got deep pockets. He can lose money on awarding franchises. But most franchisors need to at least break even. And it's it's next to impossible to break even when a franchise is 15 or even 25. I encourage yeah. franchisors, you know, and, and if you're making a life decision, even if you're 24 years old and wanting to buy a franchise, if you can get hold of 45,000, you can get hold of 75,000. Yeah. And so um, I love what Scott's doing and so many other brands, but I'm, I encourage them all to amp up that franchise fee a little more to make to be able to market better, you're going to award more franchises, to be yeah. able to train them better, support them better, onboard yeah. them better, and pay for your internal friend dev team better. All those sure. things come out of the franchise fee. Yeah, and I think that um, people tend to have more skin in the game and they tend to be more engaged. I mean, if you're like, oh, it's, you know, 15 grand, whatever, you know, that's less than my new car, right? I mean, it may make it easier for them to exit Obviously, there's more to it than that, but you're just not as committed, I don't think, if it's mm. so low. Mm. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the regions right now that you're seeing exploding with franchises. Because I've been doing some traveling, too, and I'm like, holy crap, you get on this road, and it's all, it's like franchise freeway, right? It, are there markets that are just going crazy right now? There are, and I'm with you. I, you know, living, breathing franchising, we, we drive by the new shopping centers, and we work with them, 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 oh, them, oh, them, oh, that's yeah. a new one. That's a, family's tired of hearing about it, my wife especially. She's like, for the next 20 minutes, we're not going to talk about any franchise that you represent. <laughs> no. I can't 
help it. I love them. Um, yeah. It's, I have a shirt I wear around my neighborhood when I'm walking the dog that says, don't California my Texas. So we have a whole lot of folks moving out of the states that are much more anti-entrepreneurial that are struggling. They're yeah. overtaxing, you know, the New Yorks and the Illinois and the Californias of the world. California's got some great climate. Don't get me wrong. People want to live yeah. there for that. But they're escaping in droves to the more uh, friendly, you know, uh, freedom-seeking, libertarian-esque states. Yeah. And the South, of course, with the warmer climate. So the Floridas, the uh, the Georgias, the Texas uh, are just absolutely exploding for a bunch of reasons. And the an entrepreneurial freedom-seeking uh, climate is a big part of that. Yeah, good point. I mean, one of the first things when I bought my franchise um, that my broker asked me was, well, where do you think you want to retire? Not where you live today, but where do you want to be? Because sometimes, you know, the best way to retire where you want to go is to invest in that area in a franchise. I mean, the model's proven, right? So you just decide where you want to put it. Mm. And I thought, wow, could I really do that? And now I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I'm doing when I retire. <laughs> Amen. And we have a lot of consultants to do the same thing because they can live from anywhere. Work or you know, work from an RV, work from the beach, your front porch, Germany. I don't care. You, right. It's it's your business. You you got a phone. You got a, a, a laptop. Let's roll. Yeah. Let, let me ask you. Um, all the stuff that's been going on in the government right now. How do you see this whole joint employership affecting franchising? What are your thoughts on that? So joint employer, guys, is, you know, where the government's trying to say that the franchisor is the employer of the franchisee's employees. And so joint employer, the Z and the Zor both being an employer of that employee. And fortunately, we had a big uh, victory here just in the last week with California, who tends to lead the charge on the unfriendliness to freedom-seeking entrepreneurial folks. Um, in that it's pretty much been defeated, that, that concept, that idea. They've realized that it's just a loser for everyone, mm -hmm. um, and it hurts the, the – they're trying to help the little man, and it's killing the little man, trying to get all the uh, more government in the way of our lives. And so I don't see it going anywhere as long as um, we have enough people with common sense in this world, and I think we've got a whole lot that do have common sense. And fortunately – the transparency, I know you hear a lot of non-transparency talk, but I think the transparency of government is better than ever. We know how they vote. We know what they put in these bills. And so we're able to uh, vote them out quick or threaten them with getting voted out if they make bad decisions for the general populace. And anything that's against franchising is a bad decision for the general man, the, the normal common man. So yeah. it's, it's looking really good. Same with even Canada and so many of the, I mean, we're global, and so we, we see this on a global basis. The world wants franchising. I get yeah. calls every week, if not daily, from folks in other countries outside of North America wanting to be like the U.S. and desiring U.S. brands come to their country. Yeah. Um, so franchising is growing globally. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree with that. And, you know, luckily, they, they did indeed defeat that particular um, law that they were looking to pass and now of course they're going to have a committee to help manage it but right now they're looking at an average wage for uh, fast food restaurant workers is minimum wage to be twenty dollars an hour mm -hmm. so and i thought wow you know i could see if it was 
now, okay, I have to say this. I, I lived in California. I love California. I'm wearing my California t-shirt. Um, but prices on everything are so incredibly high. And so now, and, and I live in Illinois, another crappy state in terms of business. But today I got two cheeseburgers and a large iced tea, and it was almost $7. Almost how much? Seven. Okay. Little, the little used to be like 79 cent cheeseburgers, right? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just came back from California. Their gas is a good dollar fifty more than ours. And I'm thinking, okay, so now when I go to McDonald's with this new $20 an hour, my two little cheeseburgers and a large iced tea is going to cost me like 12 bucks. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, five, five guys, which is as close to, you know, quick serve as you get. I mean, it's yeah. quick serve fast food combo. Five guys is like 12 bucks for one burger, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, and it's through the roof on some of these. Uh, but fortunately, I mean, love me some restaurants and franchisors. Restaurants, believe it or not, are less than a third of franchising. So yeah. it's, it's not like if they did do some negativity in that arena, it's not going to impact a lot of the other parts of the, the world of franchising. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and, and I have to thank everybody who goes to D.C. Matter of fact, Jerry is just coming back from D.C. now. He goes every every trip, and, you know, we keep talking um, to franchisees about making sure since you're a franchisee, join IFA, get involved, because there's a lot of things happening that they need local franchise owners input on to help make sure that the messages get to the right people. Yeah. Our founder, I was going, but we, we kind of tag team. Our founder was there, too, you know, fighting for the rights and the uh, the freedoms that franchising brings our our uh, communities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brett, it's been a pleasure to have you on again. I'm looking forward to seeing you down at the Titus Center for Franchising. Woo! We'll see what kind of dancing you're going to do down there. <laughs> I'm a white boy, boy. I, I'm not the best dancer. In the, I, I'm good at making uh, embarrassing myself, I'll tell you that. But. I was going to say that you may not be the best dancer, but you don't let that stop you, <laughs> which is the most amazing thing. You know, I will make a fool of myself, too, but it might take a couple cocktails before I let down that guard. But I think we'll have a great time down there. We'll spend a lot of time uh, with the, the uh, class down there that's looking to learn franchising. And um, I really look forward to that. Hopefully, we'll have some nice weather as everybody else is diving into the fall. My alma mater, too. I love it. I can't wait to uh, get back there. We go to the Titus Center three times a year with the two board meetings and then the Selling Franchises Summit that's coming up in January. I'll be speaking on a franchise development panel and educating folks on that. So if you're, uh, I'll just put a plug for them. If you're not familiar with the Titus Center, and heck, especially if you're in franchise development, uh, go to, you know, do a Google search of the, the Titus Center for Franchising, and you'll find plenty of information about that online and get registered. Very affordable, very good, good value to grow in your franchise development. That's not for people looking to buy a franchise, but if you're in franchise development, it's a terrific resource. That's right. That's right. And again, I want to thank you, and you've queued us up nicely for our final commercial of the day. Thank you, Red Boswell. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Love you, babe. See you soon. Bye-bye. 50 graduates resulting in seven new franchisees owning eight franchise brands, more than a dozen skilled graduates who are employees of franchise companies, all of them having earned a concentration in franchising exclusively granted by the Titus Center at Palm Beach Atlantic University, plus more than 80 franchise professionals on our advisory board. The Titus Center for Franchising is on fire in West Palm Beach, Florida. 
What do you need to join us? My students want to hear from you. They may even want to buy your franchise or work for your company. TitusCenter.com. And I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the show today. We always appreciate your comments and questions. A huge thank you goes out to Red Boswell, president of IFPG and the Franchise Wire. As always, another big hug and thanks to our million-dollar mentors who work tirelessly to bring you the latest news, top resources, and their professional thoughts on franchising. Shout out to Jerry Akers, Karen Kinsey Ford, Ray Tiller, and, of course, our legal sleuth, Laura List. I'm Kristen Shelmessy, your fourth million dollar mentor, and we'd like to thank you and remind you to join us again next week wherever you get your podcast on Thursday, 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you soon.